Prepare for face pounding. Body belting. Non-stop out of control mayhem. Welcome to the Cinematic Void Podcast. Cinematic Void is a cult film series that hosts screenings in the Los Angeles area as well as virtually. I'm your host, Jim Branscombe, and joining me as always is... Hey, Nick Vance, Paranoid Futures on social media. You can find Cinematic Void on the World Wide Web at cinematicvoid.com, as well as Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and all major podcast platforms. If you want to support The Void, you can consider joining our Patreon. Not only do you get cool perks, but you make life possible. Yes, life. Because... Void is life, or something like that. I don't know. Well, I guess it's my life. It's just, you know, you, you have a robust real life other than doing this podcast. You you know, I just come over here, we record this shit, and then you just go about your day projecting, print traffic, you know, making Co- coffee. Committing crimes. Committing crimes, yeah. You know, just living that life. So, I don't know, man. It's been a bit. How you been? I'm fucking good. Good. I'm fucking good. I got a new haircut. That's, you know, I got a. I didn't notice, but that's okay. It's fine because I think the <laughs> last. I just got a. I got a haircut recently, so I'm doing really well. I, uh, the weather. The weather's nice. Yeah. I've got a. I've got a really nice two, 2023 rental car right now. Ooh, that's a long story. Uh, my car is fine. It's not, but um, it, it's. But a, I just have this really nice car that kind of drives itself. It's pretty sick. So I, I guess you know. <laughs> As we're talking about rental cars, I mean, I had a. I had a pretty decent rental car. I was just in Maryland. I had it for a couple of days when I was like moving between my girlfriend's house and my parents' house. I was back in Maryland finishing up cleaning out my old bedroom. You know, dad got a dumpster and I was just like getting rid of shit. It's very. Your old bedroom is like the bedroom. It's like the brother that died in Stand By Me and they just keep the room the same while you're gone. Well. <laughs> A little bit. It's your bed's made, and all your, all your like napalm death cassette tapes are like still <laughs> carefully placed where you had them when you left. Well, they, actually, they were. But um, what else happened in my room is that my sister has moved in and out of my parents' house several times over the last decade plus, and every time she's moved, she has new shit. So most of my room wasn't even my stuff at this point. It was like her stuff. Okay. So she's taken up like my room, her old room, the garage, basement. Like I. I just went through and got rid of stuff. I was like throwing out old DVD like cases. I took some back to sell at Amoeba. Had a little bit of records left that I didn't bring when I moved out here. I took them over and visited her friend Tony Pence at Celebrated Summer. And it's good to see Tony. I hadn't seen Tony in person in like 13 years. Oh, hell yeah. So Leslie and I went and we hung out with him and like it was shot the shit for a long time and, you know, actually gave me, I think, a very fair. Actually, more than I thought. Very generous, like, you know, exchange of, like, some tapes and records and stuff. Cool. And, you know, exchanged and just got a couple 
Records got uh, rebought the first Cross My Heart. I guess EP, LP, what would you call it? Yeah, it's an EP, I think. Yeah. It's, five songs. It's five songs. It's on a 12-inch, but, you know, it's a short EP. Got Leatherface Minx. Got a Windhand record. And there's a couple seven inches, I think. Oh, the Cole S. Boy Sets Fire seven inch. Oh, sweet. <laughs> One of the best fucking splits of, I guess, what, late 90s? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, and I think there's also a Black Heart Procession seven inch in there. So got cool. some cool stuff from Tony. Also sold my comic books. Actually, let me say I haven't sold them yet. I took them to a place that's across from the Senator Theater, Baltimore. I forget the name of the place. And also, I don't want to shout them out because they haven't taken them yet. They're evaluating the collection. They said it's going to take a week, and it's getting close to a week here. So they said, well, if we take them, I'm like, if nothing, you're going to fucking take these comic books because, one, I ain't there, and two, like, Give me ten dollars. Just give me anything. Otherwise, if you're like, we're not taking them, it's just like just toss them in the dumpster. What era are we talking here? You got like a bunch of the image comic books. You got I got uh, the Vertigo. You got Sandman. Oh, you hitting that era stuff or what, dude? I got it's mostly '90s stuff. There's a couple '80s things in yeah. there. You know, that was primarily, and there might be might even be some '70s stuff that I came across. But like, you know, there's there's definitely Spawn in there. There's definitely mm-hmm. Sandman, Preacher, a lot cool. of Vertigo stuff from that era. Um, you know, there's some Batman stuff. I used to really like Batman comics. Okay. Definitely like that when Kelly Jones was drawing it and stuff like that. I was really into that shit. Um, what other stuff? It, there's a bunch of, it was, I'm surprised like half the shit I didn't remember I owned. But like, you know, definitely I had during when the, you remember when Batman got his back broken by Bane? Mm-hmm. Like that era Batman was in there. Um, but yeah, a lot, a good mix of stuff, so. And there was like, there's a comic in there that was, that was signed by the artist. I have no idea where this fucking comic book came from, how I got it or whatever. And they're like, hey, you know this is a sign? I'm like, sure. Sure. If that makes this deal sweeter, go for it. Yeah. And it's just like, you know, there's part of me like, because I was looking through and I found like old issues of Moon Knight. And I was like, yeah, I really used to dig Moon Knight. And I was like, maybe I'll keep these. And I'm like, what the fuck are you going to do? You're going to take these back to California. You're going to put them in a place and they're going to get sit in storage like they were just now for the last mm-hmm. like 20 years or whatever they've been in my closet, yeah. in my parents' house. So wasn't nostalgic for anything. I did give my girlfriend's um, son uh, the McFarlane Spider-Man run when he did that. I think it was just like, I think it's 15 issues. I think he skipped one in there. But like, yeah, just, I was like, you know, just sharing the wealth. Because, uh, you know, I, if I wasn't going to sell them, I'd rather stuff go to a good home. So yeah but yeah there's a lot of stuff and like i said i brought the dvd cases back and i put some of my dvds some of the stuff was upgraded some of the stuff is like i ain't ever gonna watch this shit again mm-hmm. and if i do i'll just get the criterion channel or something like that and watch it that way so i got yeah, like almost 300 bucks worth of stuff i sold at amiibo which is pretty sweet so you know clean stuff out got to see my parents you know got to hang on with a girlfriend it, it was a nice little trip to maryland and yeah, finally done cleaning out my old room. Nice. Although you wouldn't tell because all the shit my sister still has in there. <laughs> so, I don't know. what. Besides getting a sweet rental car, what have you been doing? You've been projecting more and all uh, that? Yeah, I've been projecting more. Uh, just uh, getting final mixes back on the record I've been working on and uh, going back and forth uh, with an artist about getting some cover art done. Um, so all that is coming together do you want to talk a little bit more about that record kind of no, tease that's, it that's it that's it It'll, just, just you know. keep it like that yeah yeah you know eventually that mirrored crip record will come out no never but, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh 
yeah, I don't know. Um, fucking what else have I been doing? Nothing, man. Nothing. I don't know. I'm going to Baltimore next week. Yeah, that was, that was other. I meant to segue yeah. after. Like, I just went to Baltimore, and you're just going. You actually, I mean, I'm, I'm going to see uh, Liars Academy. Actually, I'm going to see Liars Academy and Dosser and Fairweather is playing at the Metro, um, and that is next weekend. So I think uh, Ryan Shelkett just had uh, just had kidney stones. So, wow. Uh, hoping for a speedy recovery because. This is not a cheap trip for me. No. <laughs> like I'm going to see your band and you're not going to be able to sing next weekend. That fucking sucks. I mean, the but, kidney uh, stones have nothing to do with vocal cords. I, I don't know, dude. My fucking, I don't know. When I sing, I can feel it in my dick. What are you talking about? Wow, man. You're, just... you're not singing from your, your abdomen? I don't sing. I never sang in my life. <laughs> yeah, true. I don't know. It take, it's not just your fuck. I don't know, man. Like I, I think I, I think I, if my fucking if there were rocks coming out of my dick, I probably couldn't sing. Let me put it that I, way. I'm just fucking around. I know. I know. <laughs> so I'm also fucking around. But for sure, if there were rocks coming out of my dick, I'm not singing for anyone. I'm I'm just screaming. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's I'm, some... just, I'm strictly scre- screaming at this point. You, you can just do the screaming parts from like all those Liar Academy songs. You know, the stuff that carried over from the blank days. The, fro- the frog vocals? Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love I mean, it. I, I love that we're talking about something that's going to be, I don't know, for the... Cut. No, it's not going to be cut. <laughs> it's, just, it's just for the Baltimore contingent. For sure. But yeah, I kind of wish I was going on that show. Like, I don't know. I originally... I planned my Maryland trip because of something else and had to deal with things that I'm not going to talk about on the podcast, but then that thing didn't happen. It's like, Oh great. I could have just done it, but I don't know how work would have felt if we both took off at the same time. I'm actually, I think I'm actually going to go back to Baltimore in July, but I'm also doing a little road trip with Leslie. We're going to go to sleepy hollow and Salem and you know, just get out. Sleepy hollow is a real place. Yeah, it's a real place. It's upstate New York. <laughs> it's not just a state of mind. It's actually in the New York state of mine. I don't know. Jesus. You think that shit was fake? Yes. Oh, yeah. I guess it would seem fake. Like yeah. Yes, your head. yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, it's, it's, it's a real town. Although it's actually called Terrytown. But like it's um the dude that wrote fucking Sleepy Hollow was his name. Like I can't even think of his name now. It's not. That's how important it is. That's how fake it is, really. I can't remember the name of fucking wrote What a it. poser. He doesn't even know the name of the the writer, but he's going there. You know what? <laughs> I don't I have no shame. Name, name three tracks, bro. <laughs> three tracks from the Headless Horseman. <laughs> fucking Decapitator. <laughs> <laughs> fucking Hot the Trot. And I don't know. Fuck. And the guy who wrote The Legend of Sleepy Hollow is Washington Irving. As opposed to Irving Washington or whatever fucking fake name I was going to make up. But anyway, Terrytown's a real place. That's I think it's where that dude's from. And that's, you know, they have a they have a covered, I mean, they don't have a covered bridge. So maybe, maybe that shit is fake. Yeah. Maybe there is no legend in Sleepy Hollow. There was no Headless Horseman after all. I guess we should probably segue here and talk about, you know, things related to what this podcast is about. Movies. Yeah. I maybe. Guess. Maybe. maybe. I guess we can talk about it. So, uh, in this episode, we are going to, you know, once again, not talk about any movies. We're not... The format that we started this podcast with still is not happening because, shit, we've been busy. But we've actually talked, and we think we have a schedule. It's going to be famous last words when, like, the next episode comes out and it's just talking about the fucking June lineup. But we'll eventually get this together. But, you know, we're going to be talking about the May lineup, which is Mayhem. 
because who doesn't like a bad pun? Most people, but this is what I'm going with. You should have went mayhem. That's mayhem. Way, that's way better. Yeah, but there's n- there's no fucking ham in any of these movies. May- it, mayhem. It would have went over so well. Mayhem. Well, Come right, on, think about it. You're right about April Cult, though. <laughs> See? <laughs> See? Speaking of which, we just, well, we have one more. At this you got recall. any cop movies? What? Any cop movies in the, in the mayhem mix? Come no. on. Mayhem. <laughs> there's like one there's one but, but but there's secret there's secret service so you know not not anyone's calling like secret service pigs i am all right i am bro <laughs> yeah. when was the last right. time you we we'll, we'll when we talk about that movie we'll get into how we interacted with the secret service because there is a segue there but but anyway um as I was trying to say, April Cold is coming to an end. It got one more screening left on Monday for the Dunwich Horror, or as some asshole at the one screening was like, it's Dunwich, which has stuck with me for like the last four weeks. I was talking to my friend Kevin Kulash, who was one of the co-directors of fucking um, Starry Eyes, and we were talking about that. He's like, yeah, I always said Dunwich too, and now like I'm just paranoid about ever saying it, even in my head. It's just like, man, it's just... I don't know what is it correct because I watched the AIP trailer for Dunwich Horror and they clearly say fucking Dunwich in it, not Dunwich. Is Dunwich just old English where they don't like you know they don't W silent? I don't know, man. Or does it not matter? It's it's Lovecraft, right? Yeah. So it's like New England. I don't know, man. I mean, like, where is this? Who was this guy? Where was he from? Where did he come from? I don't know. He was just in the crowd, and it's just like if I. It was the night of anguish when I did it. It was just like, I'm trying to remember all the shit that I have to say, how to fucking properly pronounce the dude's name, and like make sure I'm getting all this stuff right. So the last thing I need someone's like, it's done it! You uh, know? fucking pedantic prick. Yeah. Uh, so what did the trailer say? It says Dunwich. I think that fucking settles it. Yeah, fucking, yeah. Fuck that guy forever. Yeah, Sam Arkoff knows better than you, bitch. Okay, so it's Dunwich Horror. So that's going to be the thing that's <laughs> okay. closing out April Occult, showing a rare Fuji print. <laughs> okay. Anyway, but yeah, that's the last screening of April Occult is the Dunwich Horror. And, I don't know, we're showing a rare Fuji print. It's probably the one that's sold the least. Because everything else did pretty damn good. Like, Valerie and Week of Wonders was, like, three shy of a sellout. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was incredible. And, like, you know, watching with the crowd, like, I don't I don't think people knew what to make of it. Yeah. It was definitely a wild one. It's a beautiful movie to watch, but, like, a lot of people were like, yeah, it didn't make any sense to me. And that's like, I think there's a through line there, you know? Once you get past, you know, just follow the, the trail of, like, incest and, you know creepy sexual creepy predators and sexual awakening and you know all that stuff you, you can follow mm-hmm. along um had a really wild screening of george romero's season the witch because we we got that print in late and i didn't know what the title card was going to say on it mm-hmm. and i thought for certain it was going to say um hungry wives which was how it was originally released in the 70s like they tried to sell it as a sexploitation movie and it was definitely a Hungry Wives print because it was faded Eastman. And then all of a sudden, a fucking title card was spliced in where it said Season the Witch. Mm-hmm. Different film stock. You know, there's color to it. It was fucking kind of funny. Yeah. Because I, in my intro, I was like, well, don't know what we're going to get, what version. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay. 
So about the first two reels were faded Eastman, and then like reel three, it switched, and it like went to a, I think it was either Agfa or Fuji's. Actually, I think it was Agfa film stock because mm-hmm. it had a little brown tinge to it. So when Agfa stock fades, it goes a little brown, but it keeps its colors pretty good. Yeah. So that print, you know, the movie looked great for like the last three reels of it. Mm-hmm. And yeah, and but it was missing the season of the witch song, the Donovan song, and the montage where the lady goes and buys like all the witchcraft shit. Oh, crazy. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. It was definitely a Frankenstein print, mm-hmm. but it was kind of cool. I saw Bob Morowski there. Bob's like, hey, Jim. Like, Very cool. He's like, good intro, and he just walks off. Shout out to Bob. Other than just like, I didn't even know Morowski was there, and he just like walked on by. Hell yeah. Also did the Holy Mountain, which, dude, no, most of that audience had not seen that movie. Oh, nice. So they did, were, you get, did you get a typical Void crowd, would you say? Did you see no. a, lot of, a lot of people you recognized, or did everyone else buy them up quick? Um, there's a couple people that are regulars. Like I, I usually can gauge how void friendly the crowd is by the amount of applause and cheers at the end of the cinematic void intro. Mm-hmm. You could hear a fucking pin drop. Oh man. Walking out. Okay. I was like, I'm like, well, that's going to be great. Especially yeah. because Deanna Rooney was there and she came as the mountain Hell yes. from Holy Mountain. Hell yes. And she was waiting for a cue, but the audience was just very, very serious. And I'm like, I'm fucking stretching. I'm like, where the fuck is she? I need like, I'm doing telling the whole George Harrison backstory about like this without spoiling that he didn't want to get his anus washed on camera. Yeah, that was the one thing he objected to. And then she finally showed up. We did. We our friends at Severin had put together some prize packs of like another Hodorowski movie of Santa Sangre. They had a Blu-ray poster, that kind of stuff. So we had people try to how do through enlightenment how do you make the mountain holy again? The guy won just like Deanna built this fucking cardboard mountain thing she was wearing. This guy started just biting it. <laughs> and after that, no one else who was like participating in the contest had anywhere to go. One guy did like a Catholic priest like thing. And then someone else just kind of bowed. It's like, well, I guess, I guess you're just tapping out because how are you going to top a guy that's biting off pieces of cardboard? Totally. So the only the people that participated are, are like void regulars. No, I I don't think so. I mean, maybe one of them was, but like there was like I think two of the guys that got up were diehard like Holy Mountain fans. Okay. And they just kind of went with it. Sweet. So <laughs> so watching that with a crowd hadn't seen it because I you know, and we talked about this before. Sometimes when people watch like what they think are like art house movies. They only watch it with its lens, but like, there's a lot of jokes in the Holy Mountain. There's yeah. a lot of fucking smart assism in it, mm-hmm. and people kind of realize, oh, there's intentionally funny stuff in there. And when it got to the ending, which I'm not going to spoil, like, it has the greatest fuck you ending of any movie I've ever seen because it just like the movie gives you little strands to hold on to. Like, I, it makes sense. I kind of get what's going on, kind of following along, and doesn't matter. Yep, it's a fucking brilliant ending. People are like, holy shit, like, you know. People will just, I think it blew their minds, Fuck which yeah. is fucking great. So, yeah, it's, if you ever get a chance wherever you're at, see Holy Mountain with a crowd. Cool. And as much as I joked about people being on mind-altering substances, I think there's one guy who showed up late that just weaked a, reeked a weed. Yeah. Like, he, it was like, I got a contact high as he's passing by, because he's just like, I guess just fucking burn one before going in the theater, or burn one while walking in the theater or something. Mm-hmm. So, a couple other things we're going to talk about. We are going to talk about the May lineup here, but I do want to mention Voids branching out again. And I kind of, this has been in the works for maybe like, 
I want to say like a year. I don't know how long it's been, but like uh, my friends at the Frida Cinema in Santa Ana, we had talked a while back about maybe doing a void screening there, and it just didn't work out schedule-wise because I originally pitched it in like October, and it was like during like Beyond Fest Madness and all that. But they hit me up again, and it's like, hey, would you be interested in doing a bi-monthly void series at the Frida? And I was like, sure. And... I don't know, we talked about it, and I'm going to be doing the first one of those on May 26th. We're going to do Demons. Because, you know, figure start out with a fun, crowd-pleasing movie, and then get fucking weird and show belligerent stuff like Beyond the Darkness. Cool. A couple months down the line, but I don't know. I'm kind of excited to do it because it's just like, you know, I know there's people that have come up from, like, that area to go see screenings in L.A., and I think most of those people usually hit the arrow. So I'm kind of curious to see what kind of crowd and just see what kind of audience comes out for it. But cool. I mean, intentionally, it's a, I'd say, popular movie. Still a Void-centric movie, but like, you know, starting a little big and then just kind of building from there. So I'm kind of excited to try something new. You've uh, you've done Demons in like marathons or something, right? I did Demons the first year of Cinematic Void. We actually played it in the Spielberg. Mm. Like, I think it was like, it was the... I'm trying to think when I think it was September of like 2016. I did Demons, so I hadn't done it in a long, long while. So I and you know when I did the March Movie Madness thing, a lot of people were like, "Why aren't you doing Demons?" It's like, well, because I already did it through the Cinematheque. But Frida's new thing, so I, I think I can like lean and repeat some stuff. Cool. I'll I'll probably do some things I haven't done in like Los Angeles or whatever. But like I I think it I think it's a good way to like kind of like do things I haven't done in a long time without, you know, redoing them in LA Mm -hmm. kind of thing. Although I may be as much as I've always talked about, I'm about trying not to repeat stuff. I think it's been long enough now. And there's a couple of movies that are like, yeah, I would like to do those again. I think I might be doing some repeats later this year just because, and one of them was inspired. I just did a recorded podcast that I don't think I can publicly talk about quite yet. But it'll be, I think it's coming out end of September, October. So when it gets closer, I can talk about it. But it's a really cool discussion about a movie I really love and got to talk in depth about. So keep your ears open for that one. Uh, I guess one last thing before we take a little break here. The Cinematist movie will be returning on Friday, June 30th for a very special Camp Void special. I guess I said special twice, but whatever. That's how special it is. You know why it's special? It's going to be a triple feature. Virtually, obviously. And starting in May, we're going to be doing another Patreon drive where the more people that join the Cinematic Void Patreon means the more episodes that I'll be putting together for this kind of mini-season. I kind of like these mini-season formats. So just did one back in March and April. We did two episodes on YouTube and one on Patreon. Right now, planned out, it's going to be the Camp Void triple feature plus a Patreon-only episode. But if more people join, there'll be more episodes on YouTube. So could be another little season or it could be a substantial season. And then going to do probably the same thing in October around Halloween season. Just putting that out there now because, you know, should should promote stuff early as opposed to like, oh, shit, last minute, you know. Totally. And, yeah. Oh, I guess one more thing to talk about is a new issue. The Cinematic Void Zine just came out, issue three. It's the spring issue. And I, I think it's the best one 
that's been done thus far. I got two pieces in it. Eddie, who's the marketing manager for Cinematic Void, he's got a piece in there. And right now, we're kind of starting our work on issue four, which will be a Camp Void issue. And hopefully you'll have something in it. Cool. Do some hating. Yeah. Maybe just give you an article, Nick Hates Things. Hell yeah. He's like, you know what grinds my gears? (laughs) Jallo films. Hell yeah. (laughs) All right, you can see it now. But yeah, so that's kind of where, I guess not kind of where, that's that's what's just been going on since the last time we recorded the podcast. So we're going to take a quick break here. And when we come back, we're going to talk about mayhem, or as Nick would like to put it, mayhem on the Cinematic Void Podcast. Yeah, let's go. It's got a nice ring to it. (laughs) Come to Audio Video Plus, your home for VHS, Beta, and Laserdisc. Over 63,929 movies to rent or buy. We have action movies, comedy, Japanese, sports, even adult. 18 and up only. I rent all my movies from Audio Video Plus. With Laserdisc? about beta not the fish we also sell high-end video equipment five movie rentals for five dollars every day Welcome back. We are going to be talking about the Mayhem or Mayhem line up here on the Cinematic Void podcast, which is... It was not maybe not even a good joke, but I appreciate you now beating it into the ground. Look, this is what this podcast is for. <laughs> you come up with an idea you think is offhandly funny, and I ruin it by just fucking taking it and just like fucking just dragging it across the gravel. Now it's just going to be shredded ham everywhere. Yeah, it's, that is what you always do. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you've known me for what, fucking 20 plus years, almost 30 years at this point? Almost 40. Almost 40, Jesus fucking Christ. Almost 50. Almost, yeah, it's fucking, we've known each other before the beginning of time, or our time. Anyway, anyway, this is the Mayhem lineup here, and the first movie, kicking things off on May 1st, so, you know, starting it right, first day of May, showing a little movie directed by Michael Winner. Starring Charles Bronson and Jan Michael Vincent. Of course, we're talking about The Mechanic. That's right. The Mechanic. The Mechanic. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck, dude. To The Mechanic. 
His name is Bishop. He's as methodical as a machine, as precise as a computer. Bishop is a mechanic. He specializes in bodywork. This one has to be done first. I'll handle it the way I always do. There may not be time enough for that. I'm not some wild Cleveland shooter. I don't cowboy. Hurry! On to the corner! Set up! My job! <laughs> Bishop is a master of manufacturing death by accident and murder by natural causes. <laughs> For 20 years, his performance has been flawless, but then he made his first mistake. You ever hear the term mechanic used outside its normal meaning? Yeah. A hitman. So? So there we are. You've got a partner, Mr. Bishop. Bishop knows you build a killer from the ground up and teach him one cardinal rule. Remember, no second chances. Dead sure. Or dead. And when he's ready, you cut him loose. How long till she goes? Now. There's only one problem with teaching somebody to kill. He may become too good at it. Good enough to replace the teacher as the top mechanic. I'm going to be honest here and say the mechanic was my first choice to start this off. Originally, I wanted to do the fucking Terminator. I had the Terminator listed because I think Terminator is one of the best, like, L.A. movies. Like, you know, takes place in L.A. or Glendale, really. I guess it's one of the best Glendale movies. And, like, when you get to see the 35mm print that Park Circus has, has the original mono soundtrack, which is way better than any of those 5.1 mixes. And I was stoked. Print was booked. Mm. I was like, well, what can I replace the Terminator with? RoboCop, you know? Because, like, the whole theme for May was going to be action-oriented. which Cop with the ham thing. Yeah, cop, yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, your mayhem would have made more sense if I had started things off with RoboCop. That print was booked. Mm-hmm. So then I'm just struggling, and I just, like, I just keeping it within the distributor because I felt like a fucking dick. Like, you know, just completely pivoting and making John, who does all their bookings for the Cinematic Tech, go talk to someone else when he was already talking to the dude from Park Circus. He was getting ready to go on vacation, so I was coming down mm-hmm. the wire. And I was like, all right, I remember he said he, he had a print of Death Wish 5. Why Death? I was like, I was just like throwing shit. I was like, <laughs> I was like Death Wish 5. And he's like, nope, we don't have a print. There's been a few times that we've asked for prints from Park Circus and don't have them. A few months later, one of my friends playing some movie that I want to play. It's like, hey, where'd you get that print? park circus but i you know they have a fucking big catalog and mm-hmm. stuff, so that happens i mean on the flip side like when i got night game 
our friend Phil at the New Beverly had won the play. And it's like, nope, no print exists. And then when we book it, it's like, hey, there's one in Iron Mountain. And that print hadn't been played in 20, never been played. Struck 20 years ago, pristine as shit. So sometimes you get the luck, sometimes you don't. And in a last ditch effort, I was like, you know, we're talking about the Terminator, Robocop, the mechanic. Not that it has anything to do with actual mechanics, but they're like, yep, we have a print of the mechanic. So that's why the mechanic is kicking things off. And out of the five movies that is playing in May, because there's five Mondays in May, it is, how do I say this nicely? Selling, well, it's selling tickets, but not as much as the other four, which is probably par for the course. It's like as much as like I love Charles Bronson movies and I have people tell me like, yeah, you need to play more Bronson movies. The reality is, kids don't like Chuck Bronson. Dad's not coming to the theater. You know, the only time I got dads, really, is when I did a French Connection. And I think the only reason is because there's a lot of dads in town visiting their kids. And they're like, I need to take my dad to a movie. French Connection. Dad's like French Connection. So, I cashed in on that dad, dad aspect. But, like, you know, I've done... This is going to be the fourth Bronson movie I've shown. Did 10 to Midnight for the Void three-year anniversary with Phantasm and um, 3 O'Clock High down the arrow where, you know, part of 10, min- 10 to Midnight was shot. That did well, but let's be real here. Phantasm was carrying that night. Mm-hmm. I did Death Wish 3 with Day of the Dead for the Void four-year anniversary, and that show did well, but let's be real here. Day of the Dead was probably carrying that night. Actually, that was... Yeah, we talked about that way back in the second episode of this podcast. Okay. Nice callback here. Just thinking back. Right on. I don't even want to listen to those episodes. I'm sure they're fucking rough as shit. Anyway, and then I guess last year in May, I don't even know if I had a Mayhem theme. I don't know. It May got split up because they were doing like a Summer of 82 series. So I did Last American Virgin and Beastmaster. But towards the end, I did two canon movies. I did Ninja 3 and Death Wish 4. Death Wish 4... Needless to say, kind of underperformed. And, you know, I numbers have been really good this year. Like, I've had lots of sellouts and close to sellouts. So, it's okay that the mechanic isn't doing too well. But, for those of you who are on the fence, or not even on the fence, just kind of staring like, oh, another fucking Bronson movie. Let me try to sell you the mechanic. So, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's about a professional hitman who's planning to retire and, you know, he just wants to kind of wind down and enjoy the nicer things in life. However, this young apprentice comes up to him and wants to learn all the, you know, all the skills, the tools of the trade. Become the new assassin guy. So, I wonder if that's true. It's like if you ask a hitman. It's like every hitman. Do they, they have They a, can't retire. Yeah. As because, a hitman, you cannot retire. There were always, you always get pulled back into the game or you're going to get fucking murked yourself. Exactly. That's it. You're done. Well, that's the premise of it because as Bronson is, you know, doing an apprenticeship with, you know, Jan Michael Vincent, turns out that he has a very particular set of skills. This is not that fucking franchise. <laughs> what What is that, Taken? There's no Taken shit here. It wasn't even a fucking assassin. He was just a fucking dad that was, like, trying to save his daughter. I think that was all the premise of fucking Taken. Anyway, Bronson does have a particular set of skills. <laughs> you know, it's true. <laughs> and Jan Michael Vincent wants to learn that shit. However, Jan Michael wants to kind of turn it on and he's trying to, you know, the student wants to kill the teacher kind of thing. Okay. And it's, you know, it's actually, dare I say, very art house for a Bronson action movie. 
Like it's really, really arty. It's kind of like, I yeah. What else, what else did Michael Winner do? He did Death Wish one, two, and three. Okay. He did the Sentinel. He did I'm blanking on a lot of stuff, but like you know, he was kind of prestigious for a while because even when the first Death Wish came out, it was kind of looked at very roughly. It was like it was still kind of looked at as like kind of an artful movie. From Death Wish 2 on, when he joined up with Canon, he lost his fucking mind. All those movies are goddamn gonzo. Yeah. Completely pivoted the styles. And, like, so much so that him and Bronson had a falling out after Death Wish 3. Because Charlie didn't take too kind to all the reshoots of added nudity and violence. Mm. Which is why Michael Winter didn't do Death Wish 4, but Bronson homie Jay Lee Thompson did. Yep. But it, this is really, really... I, I, It's one of the best Bronson movies. Okay. It's definitely worth checking out. And it's just like Bronson's great in it. You know, Jan Michael Vincent's great in it. Um, Keenan Wynn, great character actor. He's in Doctor Strange Love. And well, I'm going to say Laser Blast. I feel like I'm disrespecting him by saying Laser Blast. But he's in Laser Blast. And, of course, Jill Ireland, who is Bronson's wife, who's in a lot of those movies. I mean, definitely check it out. If you're like, you want to see, like, basically an art house meditative look at, like, the assassination business. As well as double crossing. And like, and I'm saying this, like, there's a nice kind of weird, like, I don't, I don't know. That Bronson and Jan Michael have good chemistry. And like, Bronson didn't always have good chemistry with his co-stars. But like, you know, they played well off each other. So definitely come check that out. On May 8th, the next Monday, this might seem like a weird choice, but, you know, I think it's kind of action-y. You know, it's got, it's about some music, loud music. That's partying. And of course, we're talking about the Adam Rifkin directed Detroit Rock City. In 1978, when disco was on top, these guys partied to a different beat. Don't you know what KISS stands for? Knights in Satan's service. We just watched Jan's mom torch our KISS tickets. Nobody's missing that concert tomorrow night. We're not stealing my mom's car. Damn right we are. The paint! The night is young, filled with possibilities. Beth? Yes? Hey, you little corpse. Give me your KISS tickets or I'll pop your faces in. KISS! You're the coolest. Detroit Rock City. It's a girl walking along the side of the highway. We should pull over and help her out. I mean, they they make scary movies that start out like that. Hey, but but they make porno movies that start out like that too, man. I know you hadn't seen The Mechanic. Have you seen Detroit Rock City? I have. I have. I'm, yeah. a, I'm a Kiss fan. Yeah, I, I I do like some Kiss. I'm not the biggest Kiss fan, but like I you know appreciate it. I also like you know, you know, love when the Melvins covered Kiss and things like that. Like, you know, I'm not a Kiss hater. I'm not the biggest Kiss fan, but like you know, I know there's people like oh fuck Kiss, like, you know. It's like it's it's good fucking '70s rock. So anyway, that's kind of the premise. I'll give you the little plot. It's basically four members of a high school band called Mystery do everything they can to attend a Kiss concert in Detroit. In order to make the show, they must steal, cheat, strip, and deal with anti-rock moms, and generally do whatever it takes to see that band that inspired them to be musicians. The movie stars Edward Furlong, who we talked about Terminator 
what was supposed to be. Furlong was probably best known for being in Terminator 2, as well as another sequel, Pet Cemetery 2. And also, let's not forget Brain Scan. Oh, yeah. Fucking Brain Scan. Can't shout out the Brain Scan. It's a fucking banger. It's a sick one. Also has Giuseppe Andrews, who um, Adam Rifkin actually made a documentary on him because it was a movie called Giuseppe Makes a Movie. It's Adam Rifkin making a documentary on Giuseppe Making a Movie. He's really interesting because kind of like, I think, mid-2000s or maybe a little bit later. I don't have the exact date. He basically decided, like, check it out. Going off the grid. Disappeared. Yeah. Just took off from public life. Also stars James DeBello, Sam Huntington, Lynn Shea, who, you know, best known for being in those, um, was it? Oh yeah. It's the insidious movies. Cause she's the psychic in it, but Lynn's had a long career. She's actually the sister of Bob Shea who used to run new line cinema. So she would appear in things like a nightmare on Elm street, Lone in the dark, like basically all the major like new line stuff. Plus she's a fucking fantastic actor. And I'm pointing that out because she's actually coming to the screening along with director, Adam Rifkin and sweet. That's, uh, my buddy Lee Landy's mom. Really? Lin Shea is. Oh, that's yeah. right. Lee, Lee does the uh, Oil Thief project. It's like yeah. a sick kind of industrial noise electronic thing in town. I'll, I'll mention that during the Q&A. <laughs> I hear that your son makes techno. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be a nice segue. Um, but I, he wrote that book that I, I talked about a few, like, I mean, a many pod it was like year, no, no, really, year end podcast i talked about a book that's actually that's that's lee's book yeah we 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 i know we've this has crossed this okay, podcast before cool. but it's kind of interesting that you know lynn shea is coming out mm-hmm. for it um yeah it's it's gonna be a really fun screening it's like tickets are selling really good i you know but i'm gonna be honest like how the mechanic was an originally cho- original choice for the kick things off detroit rock city wasn't even a thought because mm-hmm. all this time I wanted to show The Chase, another Adam Rifkin directed movie, the one with Christy Swanson and Charlie Sheen. Also has Henry Rollins, Flea, and Anthony Kiedis. I'm forgetting some other people. In it. It's we talk about The Chase like it one of the best kind of like '90s kind of action comedy movies. And went to go book it, and the distributor says we have zero materials. Mm. And this particular distributor. Like, if they have no materials and you can't find archival print that they'll approve of, you can't screen it. Gotcha. So, we were getting kind of down the wire, and, like, I already had Adam coming out. So, I was like, hey, Adam, would you be cool if we just kind of pivoted into Detroit Rock City? He's like, absolutely. Because, you know, Adam actually owns most of the, most of his movies. He has 35-millimeter prints of them. This was the one movie he didn't own. So, after we made the pivot to Detroit Rock City... Mm-hmm. Um, shout out to Phil Blankenship from my friend that works at the new Beverly heavy midnights. He alerted me that there are, he found not one, but two different prints of the chase at the Academy. So <laughs> it, 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 it figures after everything I booked and I told Adam that I was like, Oh cool. We can do that later. So probably later this year, going to finally do the chase. Cause I love the fucking chase. Yeah. But with that said, I'm actually really stoked to do Detroit Rock City because, like, you know, Adam Rifkin's one of the most interesting filmmakers. He, like, you know, did studio stuff and then he did weird, like, exploitation stuff like Invisible Maniac and things like that. Mm-hmm. You know, he wrote Small Sh- Soldiers for Joe Dante. Cool. And, like, he's, like, really interesting dude. Yeah, tickets are selling pretty good for this one, but at the time of this podcast, it is third in ticket sales. We'll get into those fast-selling ones here in a second. So... You know, the next movie that we'll be showing on the 15th of May is kind of a bucket list title. I, way back when we did um, programming, that program in the Apocalypse episode, which I think was episode six of the podcast, where we had a bunch of, uh, you know, film programmers, you know, 
pick a movie they would show in a 24-hour marathon as the world was ending or you know so it was during the pandemic it's just trying to figure out keeping people busy unified that kind of stuff this movie was my pick for that marathon and when the theater reopened i wanted this to be kind of the second movie i did but it just didn't happen for whatever reason and but in thinking about it, it's just like where can i slot this in and it's like fuck it doing action movies i can finally slot this in so what the movie i'm talking about is ringo lom's full contact raging unseen behind a dark empire a secret power bids for the soul of a city steeped in the blood of an undeclared war haunted by memories of betrayal and driven by revenge a fallen warrior will battle a nemesis seduced by the promise of absolute power. In a conflict without limits, the fire of retribution will consume all who stand in its way. Zhao Yunfan. Simon Yam. and Anthony Wong. In one of the most daring films from two decades of action cinema. Contact is a Hong Kong action movie. Stars Chow Yun Fat, who you know, best known for being in the John Woo movies like Hard Boiled and The Killer. Also stars Simon Yam, who is in a lot of the Hong Kong Category Three stuff. You know, he's in Doctor Lamb, Run and Kill. Also made a quick turn to America and was in one of the Tomb Raider movies, which you know, kind of wish he had something bigger because like Simon Yam's fucking awesome. And also stars Anthony Wong, who is also in Hard Boiled with Chow Yun-Fat, but again, probably better known for some of his more like Category 3 stuff, like Untold Story, the Ebola Syndrome, and he also was like one of the villains in the Heroic Trio, if you want to talk about movies that are kind of picking up steam now, because, you know, Michelle Yeoh just won an Oscar. So, um, Full Contact, it's one of those Hong Kong heroic bloodshed action movies, just to give you a little plot on it. In an effort to get his buddy out of a gambling debt, Jeff, played by Chow Yun-Fat, agrees to join forces with Judge, who's played by Simon Yam, to do a weapons heist. However, the job goes bad, and Judge basically tries to kill Jeff, you know, race him, and then makes his friend, played by Anthony Wong, kind of like kill him, even though Anthony Wong doesn't actually kill him. So they think, you know, Chow Yun-Fat, Jeff is dead, he gets rehabilitated by some monks and decides to take revenge. Now, this movie's crazy. Like, there's literally the camera glides with bullets across the screen. And this is like years before the Matrix and yeah. like that kind of stuff. 
Like, the action's fucking incredible. The soundtrack, like, you know, I'm not a big extreme fan, but there's a fucking big extreme needle drop that kicks off this movie. And it's just like, there's something about a movie that will make you like a band or a song that you're not normally into. It just, like, sets the vibe and tone. Like I said, really action-packed, sleazy. There's another song in it by, um, I think his name is Alan Tam. It's like kind of a, like a Hong Kong like power ballad rock song. It is fucking incredible. And it's like, it's got soaring gu- guitars. It's got some like sweet singing. It's like, and then it like picks up and it's like really epic. It's like, I don't know. I'm excited to see it in the theater. The only downer about what we're showing a 35 millimeter print. And the only downer about it is English dub, which, you know, English dub, Hong Kong stuff. Like sometimes like you watch a, you know, like a Kung Fu movie from the seventies, it kind of works. doesn't necessarily work for like stuff in the eighties and nineties, but it's not terrible. It's just not ideal, but like full contacts, full contact. And like, this is my personal favorite of the five I'm showing. Like this is, if there was a, this is for me screening. Hell yeah. And I'm saying this as someone who stuck the mechanic in there, but like intentionally, <laughs> this is the movie I'm most excited to see because it's one of my favorite Hong Kong action movies, one of my favorite movies. So I'm fucking stoked to see Full Contact. This one hasn't come across my uh, my desk yet. Uh, is it on 35? It's on 35. Cool. Coming from Harry Guerrero. Hell yeah. Now, coming up after that, we're going to be paid a visit by stuntman Peter Williamson again, a.k.a. Chris Lemire. <laughs> we're gonna, poor Chris. I <laughs> Basically, because I did Manhunter, I was like, I, I'm basically doing this to torture Chris but well not really because this is also one of my this is another one of my favorite movies but you know make poor Chris just happens to look like William but you're gonna bring him out for the yeah for he, the intro is what you're saying yeah he's coming out with Deanna I I, I, I think Deanna's gonna play Willem Dafoe's character but <laughs> I don't know what we're gonna do we might recreate the car chase but of course we're talking about William Freakins to live and die in LA
you know, movie stars William L. Peterson, Willem Dafoe, John Pankow, Dean Stockwell, who back-to-back months with Dean Stockwell because he's in um, the Dunwich Horror, which we'll be playing on Monday. Well, you'll be, some of you might be hearing this podcast on Monday, but most of you will be hearing it on the Thursday after that screening. But, yeah, nothing wrong with having some extra Dean Stockwell in your life. If you want to hear it early, join the Patreon, of course. Yeah, obviously, if you're hearing it right now, it means you're on the Patreon. If you're hearing on after that screening, you're not on the Patreon, so sign up because you get early access to all the podcasts. Look how we just slid that plug in there. Anyway, it, other people in this movie is John DeToro, Darlene, or Darlene, I think it's Darlene Flugel, something like that. I feel bad, but we'll go with Darlene Flugel. That seems approximation. But, you know, what can I say about To Live and Die in L.A.? It's a fucking all-time banger of a movie. Again, directed by William Freakin. It's actually my favorite William Freakin movie. I'm sure people who love Sorcerer and, like, Exorcist are fucking like, holy shit, no. No. Rolling in their graves. Yeah, they can roll all they want. (laughs) They can roll the fuck out because this this movie's better than both of those. I stand by it. It's got beautiful cinematography of Robbie Mueller, who shot a lot of Vin Vendors movies. Mm -hmm. Um, Got a fucking, I'm not even a Wang Chung fan, but that fucking soundtrack fucking smokes. There's some there's some beats in there that sound like fucking Pretty Heat Machine Nine Inch Nails. Hell yeah. So it's it's a fucking banger. Banger, banger, banger. And, you know, if you haven't seen the movie, it's about a Secret Service guy who's hunting after a counterfeiter who killed his partner, so he wants revenge, and goes to links that aren't necessarily legal to get that revenge. Um kind of mentioned it in the intro but like it has one of the best all-time car chases ever put on film you know it's a fucking it's a rager of a movie um and it kind of hits close to home for us because you know a lot of people don't know the secret service maybe they don't do this anymore i think they might not do this anymore but for a time the secret service besides protecting the president of the united states also went after counterfeiters I guess they had some tie to the Federal Reserve. I don't know how this works. I don't know how our fucking federal government works. I mean, I thought it did, but then you have... You're like, I'm protecting the president, and I'm stopping a guy that's giving passing off a fake 20 at a 7-Eleven. Like, it, it, that seems like a wide job description there. But we might have mentioned this previously, so we have. Sorry. Not sorry, because it's worth repeating. Back in high school, Nick and I, along with friend Jim DeHaven, a couple other... I guess hooligans, we'd say. We we were, went to Hartford Technical High School, and our trade was graphic arts and printing. So we had offset printing. We had a dark room. We had to do all that shit. Like, it's it, it's kind of sad because, like, how they do printing now, like bulk printing, is not how they did it back then. But once a year, we would get a visit from the Secret Service to tell us to not get into counterfeiting. Didn't work. Didn't work, no. In fact, the video, they would show us this video, which was one of the most laughable things. It was, like, the worst, like, educational video on, like, why not to counterfeit. Like, part of it is, like, wow, counterfeiting kind of looks cool, and you can make your own money? Why wouldn't I want to do that? And they, like, have a guy that's, like, there's a there was a skit in there where a guy's trying to pass off, like, a fake $100 bill at a bank. They're like, sir, this bill's not you know real and the guy takes off running like steve stop him he's trying to pass a fake hundred like no one's gonna fucking do that and we're all laughing and the secret service guy's like yeah this is fucking lame 
because I, I, I don't know, but we had to sit through that video for like three or four years or whatever, how long high school was. And yeah, I still think counterfeiting would have been cool. I was just a shitty fucking offset printer though. Yeah, we couldn't. We didn't have the capability to like do it in our class. No, I mean, but it was a. I I think if you watch that montage that's in to live in Dallas, to live and die in L.A. that Willem Dafoe does it, it's the same process we would do. Yeah, I think they just had better inks because he's missing the ink together. Also, we didn't have like a dryer to throw the money in and the poker chips to give it texture or whatever it was. There you go. Yeah, but like, I mean, if you want to learn how to counterfeit, that whole sequence in Live and Die L.A. is pretty much right. It's pretty much it. Like there's not there's not a step missing if you want to get into counterfeiting, it's right there. I think I don't know how freaking got away with it. I remember a few years back we did a Q and A or Karen Kusama who did um Jennifer's body and Destroyer and things like that did a Q and A with William Freakin after to live and die in L A. and it was great. And he talked about like you know he had counterfeiters actually make the counterfeit money in the movie, and he's like yeah, and after the movie he just fucking passed it around. I think I'm okay to say that because he said it in a room of 600 people. Right. I mean, it's kind of up there with Bill Lustig telling everyone in the crowd that he gave money to Robert Zadar to do steroids for Maniac Cop 2. Hell yeah. So, you know, sometimes oversharing. I mean, if you're, if you're sharing it, it's in the public conscious. So That's, that's the shit we want to hear. That is the shit I want. That literally is, the, that is, that is what makes Q&As great when you're just like, oh, this is some illegal shit we did. Yeah. Dude, fucking break those laws, man. Be fucking rebel directors, mm-hmm. goddammit. But yeah, so to live and die in L.A. Absolute banger. Sorry, Chris, Chris Lemire, that we're going to make you do something awful and stupid again. But hey, you shouldn't look like William L. Peterson otherwise. And for the final Monday. I mean, at least you're not bringing up because he looks like Willem Dafoe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, I gotta get it. <laughs> <laughs> our friend looks like Dean Stockwell. Come on up, dude. dude Actually, I, I can't picture Dean Stockwell right now. Actually. <laughs> <laughs> Let me say. Let me say. That was my first joke, but oh I my god, I don't actually. As soon as I see him, I'm just gonna be like, oh, right. Well, you you know you know him for Quantum Leap. Oh, Dean Stockwell. Sure. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So at least he doesn't. At least he's not the spitting image of Dean Stockwell. I mean, that would be a hard sell because it's like, you know, I feel like Quantum Leap is so far out of the conscious now that people are like, who? Yeah. Like, you know, I, I know who Dean Stockwell is. You kind of know who Dean Stockwell is. I know who Scott Bakula is. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you know anyone that looks like Scott Bakula? I'll get back to you on it. I probably do. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's someone that just looks like him. He's, he's kind of like, he's got that look that could look like someone else, but... So for the fifth and final Monday in May, which happens to be Memorial Day, which, you know, what better way to celebrate that great holiday by showing a movie starring Jennifer Lopez, Vince Vaughn, and Vincent D'Onofrio, which is, of course, The Cell. Ever heard of Wayland's infraction? You work here. Do you take it home in this? The first few minutes will be very disorienting. 
remember to stay calm and focused. Instincts play a very important part here, so trust them. You've read her file. Hit her with something personal. And remember, it's not real. Come on, stop playing around. Cell came about because my friend Kay Lynch from Sam Horror Fest was, said, hey, I'm coming to L.A., Maybe we could do a screen together. It's like, well, you know, let me know. I do Mondays. So if you're around on a Monday, let's figure something out. So she's like, I'll be there Memorial Day weekend. And I was like, what movies would we like to do? So came up with lists, you know, had some backup stuff. And she's like, I really want to do The Cell. It's one of my favorite movies. It's, you know, it's really inspiring me. And I was like, that's kind of a good pick because, like, I can't tell you last time anyone played The Cell, repertory-wise. And I was like, well, let me check and see if there's a print out there. Cause like some of those movies from like that era, like sometimes there's prints, sometimes they're not. And a quick Google search told me like, yeah, it's been playing the rep circuit a couple times. So I knew there was a print. So it's like, fuck it, let's do the cell. And yeah, ended up booking the cell. For those you haven't seen it, we already talked about the cast of the movie, but it's about a FBI agent who persuades a social worker who is adept with a, who is adept with a new experimental technology to enter the mind of a comatose serial killer in order to learn where he has hidden his last kidnap victim. So it's kind of like coming off the heels of things like Seven. There's a big serial killer kind of boom movie. But then going into like the hard sci-fi kind of vein of things, it's it's a kind of a wild fucking movie. I want to mention that Iko Ashika, who was the costume designer on Bram Stoker's Dracula, and you know, all that shit was crazy, did the, did the costume design on this. And even, I think they reused, like, you remember when Dracula was wearing that red armor that looked like muscle and flesh? I think that yeah. appears in it. Okay. So, like, the movie's just fucking crazy visually stunning. Mm-hmm. I Again, I haven't seen it probably since it played theatrically. And I, I'll i be honest, I don't remember much of it, but I just remember, like, I liked it. I know it, I think it probably caught some, you know, mixed reviews or whatever because, like, Peel's opinion of Jennifer Lopez at the time. But I'll say this, J-Lo's been good in a lot of movies. Yeah. And I think this one is one of them, definitely. Also love her in Out of Sight, the Steven Soderbergh directed movie with her and George Clooney, which is an incredible little Elmore Leonard adaptation. It's not even a little one. It's a big Elmore Leonard adaptation. That's fucking really good. So, you know, Kay Lynch will actually be here in person. She's going to do an introduction before the movie. Might have some guests. Trying on that now, but we'll see. But, yeah, like right now, the top two ticket sellers, and they're actually already at low tickets, and the tickets have only been on sale for, like, less than a week mm-hmm. at this recording, is, you know, it's the sell and to live and die in L.A. You know, to live and die in L.A., I knew it would be instant sell. And, like, the sell, kind of like when I did um, I Know Who Killed Me, I was just like, I think it's due. Yeah. And, like, sometimes you pick a movie at the right time when it's due. You're going to get a good crowd, and you're going to get a crowd that, like, hasn't seen it, gets the experience for the first time, and get the experience it correctly without all the bullshit that might have been surrounding when the movie came out. So mm-hmm. that's our mayhem slash mayhem lineup. Um, if you're on social media, hit us up. Tell us what you think of the lineup. What's your favorite thing we're screening? My personal favorite is Full Contact because it's just a bucket list title, but I'm actually really excited to see all these movies in the theater. So we're going to take one last commercial break here, but when we return, it's going to be read, watch, and listen here on the Cinematic Void Podcast. Cinematic Void Podcast. 
Get 400 pounds of meat and a free freezer from Stateline Meats. Choose from steaks, ground beef, roast, and much, much more for only 19 bucks a week. A freezer full of meat for 19 bucks a week. Order a year's supply of meat at only 19 bucks a week, and you'll receive a freezer absolutely free. A freezer full of meat for 19 bucks a week. Call 393-0227. Open an account and receive 100 free Stateline Meats. 393-0227. Out of town, dial 601. Welcome back. It's now time for... On the Cinematic Void podcast, where we talk about all the things we've been reading, watching, and or listening to since the last time we recorded a podcast. It's been probably a month since we've done one of these. So, Nick, why don't you tell me what you've been reading, watching, and or listening to? All right. So, I've been, uh, I just started kind of rereading the beginning of uh, The Wasp Factory by Ian Banks, uh, just because I didn't finish it the last time I tried. Uh, and it's just been a little too much time since I had started it previously. So, I just restarted that. And I'm in the middle of that, um, so that's what I'm reading. Uh, for listening, I've been listening to the new Heavenward. I've just been I've I've been listening to a ton of shit, but I'm just gonna highlight a few singles that I've been listening to that have come out semi recently. Uh, there's a new Heavenward single that came out last Friday called Gasoline. Um, and it's really good. It's uh, definitely very uh, like Catherine Wheel Chrome era reminiscent, uh, if I may say. But it's just a, a banger of a song. It's just catchy as fuck, and it's recorded brilliantly and uh uh it's cam that was in chain gang of 1974 and he was in teenage wrist as well although he's no longer in teenage wrist um next up uh is the teenage wrist single that came out a few weeks ago called sunshine which is also super catchy and really really awesome uh i think it's on epitaph if i'm not mistaken I, their last two records were um that i've been listening to the the uh flacco song by money from oklahoma on Sunday Drive Records, and it's just more like heavy, uh, you know, down-tuned pop. This uh, all the all the rage these days. The new gaze. Yeah, you call it that. Uh, and then I've been listening to the Lust for Youth single that came out last year, actually, uh, called Accidental Win, which I've been listening to over and over. It's a catchy fucking song, and uh, I love Lust for Youth. They're just like kind of maybe New Orderish or something uh, from Denmark, I believe. Um, the, the guys, some of the guys that did the, do the, uh, posh isolation label, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and then watching, I have been watching a lot of stuff, but I just watched uh horror by Ken Russell because we played it over at, uh, LF three. Um, but I just watched it at home cause we got it. We had a Blu-ray backup just in case. Uh, so I just took that bitch home with me. <laughs> uh, and it's, I don't know. I, I loved it. I, I still haven't seen the devils. I have it sitting right here. I was going to watch it as a double feature. I did not. I just, I only made it through horror. Um, so I, I still need to make it to the Ken Russell masterpiece. Yeah. Um, but, uh, horror is awesome. A lot of fourth wall breaking, a lot of Teresa Russell just talking at you. Talking at you. Um, yeah. Sick ass movie. Highly recommended. Uh, and then I just watched the, uh, uh, is it Nicholas Rogue? Nicholas Rogue. Yeah. I just watched the Nicholas Rogue, uh, film called Eureka where Gene Hackman gets burnt alive. Uh, and it's, uh, a great fucking scene. I mean, it's br- fucking actually brutal. It's truly brutal. Dude, that, that, I was not expecting that. No. Like, I knew that they were going to kill him, but, like, man, did they kill him. Dude, they fucking, they fucked his ass up. Dude, you know, so you, you know, I guess you've done a Teresa Russell double feature because she's yeah. also in your Yeah, right. She, she was married totally. to Nicholas Rogue for many, many years. Okay. Um, yeah, it, 
we were talking a little beforehand about Eureka because like that move, like the way that movie goes up until that when Gene Hackman gets blowtorched, mm-hmm. it's fucking some of the most insane stream of conscious like montage fucking I don't know what you call it. The it's, very opening, he's just walking down the street and a and a like a vagrant man just blows his brains out as he's walking past him. Yeah, like it makes no fucking sense. But it, it's not only <laughs> he blows his brains out and cuts the fireworks and like yeah. you know he's like out in the fucking snow and he strikes oil and just mm-hmm. like the movie's just fucking insane. And then like when he gets blowtorched, it becomes like a courtroom drama. Right. And you know I kind of like you know I think Eureka like. Up in like I guess it's like two thirds of the way in when that happens, like I feel like from then on like Rogue Nicholas Rogue wasn't kind of the same filmmaker like he wasn't just as like brazen or Gonzo because like all the stuff he made from like performance through that two first two thirds of Eureka is just insanity, mm-hmm. bad timing, Man of Feather Earth, Walkabout, they're all kind of just like next level, you know, no fucking cinema, yeah. So badass. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, fucking, yeah, both of those are bangers, horror and Eureka. Cool, so that's about it for me, man. How about you? Well, read, I did, kind of did a little reread while I was on the plane to Maryland. I was looking at Alexandra Heller Nicholas's um, The Giallo Canvas, Art Excess, and Horror Cinema. So I've been, well, I guess I'm always in a Giallo kick, but I just kind of want to, just kind of, reading on that again I, I i wish i could read books on planes a lot more i have a my attention span does not work for it yeah me either man can't, i can't do her I, yeah, i'm I playing nintendo switch the whole way yeah i might have to get a nintendo switch like I, I just usually listen to music sometimes i can write but like you know i have a hard time watching movies or reading watching movies is kind of fine but then like i always rip my own movies to watch and then i forget i'm on a plane so when like some fucking sex scene or murder scene comes up i'm just like fucking covering up the fucking screen so maybe it's for the best oh yeah i'm bringing that blowtorch scene with me on the plane next week (sighs) we should you're the person sitting next to you on that fucking flight's gonna like really appreciate that and you just point out it's like look this is fucking art enjoy it um watch i actually saw some movies that came out this year wow why why (laughs) why would you do that to yourself well one was on Peacock. I, I had a virtual date night with um, my girlfriend. We watched uh, Knock at the Cabin, the M. Night Shyamalan jam. Okay. Liked it. Cool. Like, you know, I, I there's probably some flaws in it. And, like, I didn't read the book. And I know some people were kind of on the fence, like, did it improve or not improve on the book kind of thing, whatever. I The book's the book. The movie's the movie. Yeah. Th- that's how it always is. But I enjoyed it. Cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like, you know, three and a half stars. Or... or yeah, three and a half stars on Letterbox. How so. you enjoy it in terms of his uh, his output? Where do you where do you place it? You know, I think he's been on a strong like since he's been on that role where he's essentially self financing his own movies and then like selling them to like Universal to self distribute. I think those movies have been better. I think you know I, I understand he's known for creative control and that kind of stuff and you know getting around studio interference. I think you know I, there's a bunch I haven't seen. Like, there, I guess, was it old? I didn't catch. I didn't see it? Okay. Yeah, so there, there's a couple I haven't seen. But, like, you know, it's, it's enjoyable. It's a well-made film. And, like, you know, I know he was at a certain peak when he was doing Sixth Sense, Signs, and um, Unbreakable. And that's, you know, but that was a diff- different era of movie making. So where he's at now, I think, is 
pretty solid. So cool. um, I definitely probably would go back and check some of the ones I missed because I ended up enjoying this one quite a bit. The other new movie I saw was Evil Dead Rise. I actually went to a advanced screening on the Warner Brothers lot. Nice. I know that makes me sound fancy. Went with um Christian and Christian Parks from Beyond Fest and Grant from the Cinematheque. And it wasn't a lot, it wasn't a full theater, but we sat there and watched it. And you know, I I came in neutral to it because I'm going to admit something that you know I actually I don't know if it's really admitting. I'm pretty sure I've said this before. I did not like that last Evil Dead reboot remake. I just did not like that movie at all. It's not groovy enough for you. It, you know, I like mean movies, and like you might agree to disagree on this. I just feel like. Evil Dead, the franchise isn't the Necronomicon. It's not the Deadites. It's not all that shit. It's Bruce Campbell. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah, that's a persona. But like, you know, it's like, it's, you know, when I think Nightmare on Elm Street, what do you think of Robert England? You know, it's just like that tied in. It's not like Friday the 13th where there's been like six or seven different motherfuckers that put on a hockey mask. No disrespect to Kane Hodder who played it like three or four times in a row, but... You know, it's just like Bruce Campbell's kind of the face of the franchise. And I remember when that other one came out, it was just like kind of mean for the sake. It it was mean spirited, and I do love mean spirited movies. I've championed mean spirited movies, but just it just rang hollow in its mean spirited. It's just like, look at me, I'm being a fucking edge lord dick or something like that. I just I just did not like that movie. So coming into this one, I was like, I'm just gonna be neutral, and I ended up enjoying it. Another three and a half star movie. I think there's definitely some flaws to it, and but it does enough homages to the other movies in the franchise, and does some, you know, there's some good gore, some good gags. My favorite character in the movie died pretty quickly. It was this fucking dude that, like, just was smoking and had, like, a shotgun. Like, he's just hanging out in this apartment complex. Like, I was like, oh, man, this guy's in it. I can't wait to see where he goes and gets fucking wiped out pretty early on. But, like, you know... I think the extra extra half star for that guy because it's like that's a character I want to see. The second I saw that guy pop up, I was like, "Yep, it's a Jim Branscombe character." That, that that's that was what I needed to carry the movie for me. But you know, some good gore effects. It, it did get a little mean spirited, kind of like the the previous reboot, but it had enough comedy, enough stuff to offset it. Also, you know, respect to like fucking killing kids in the movie. Respect. Respect. So yeah. I, I think it just hit theaters this week as we're recording it. And I kind of hope hope it does well because I feel like we're heading towards another horror renaissance. I don't know if we're going to get like, you know, we'll probably have a boom like the 80s again or maybe like the, it might be closer to what it was late 90s and the 2000s. Actually, no, it won't because I think that was more teen-oriented. I think these are, people are attempting to make horror movies and like on a studio level again. So, that's not a bad thing. And, you know, I haven't, you know, I didn't give a shit about Cocaine Bear or some of those things. But there's things I did love, like Barbarian, which I thought was fucking great. So, I think there's there's some hope out there. Um, a couple of, well, the rest of the movies I saw aren't from 2023. And I think, yeah, I think every single one of these movies I watched is from the 70s. So, going back 40, 50 years now. But, so, Identikit on Shudder when I was in Maryland. And... I have the Blu-ray because I have that House of Psychotic Women box that I just hadn't watched it because my girlfriend wanted to watch it with me. So we watched it. It stars Elizabeth Taylor in a completely weird, wild, unhinged role. Like, it is... If you have a shutter, check it out because it's definitely, like... It's 
I, I've seen it. It's sick. It's sick. Oh, you yeah. have seen it. I have Sorry. Seen it. Yeah. I, I usually semi recently. Yeah. So recently. Yeah. I had never seen it before, but I was always kind of interested. And it's like, God damn, this was fucking. This is cool. Yeah. Uh, I, think, uh, I think Scott from the uh, the Boys Bible Study podcast recommended it to me. Ah. Okay. So I, shout out to him because. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. Sorry. Normally, I ask if you've seen stuff, and I just assume. Just assuming I didn't see. All right, so uh, the other one I watched, I, it just came out on Blu-ray from Mono Macabro, is a movie called The Witch's Mountain, which is a Spanish horror movie. I haven't, I haven't seen it. Okay, I, I assume that because <laughs> I hadn't seen it. Um, it's about this, It's it starts off in respect to the movie, starts out with a woman who kills her kid because it killed. she killed her cat, like sets this kid on fire, so that's that's how the movie kicks off. And this woman shows up at some like, photographer's house that she used to like i guess have a relationship with and the guy's like nah we're done i'm going i'm going away see ya so this guy goes away on this trip and runs into some random girl that he picks up hitchhiking it's like hey you want to come hang out with me at the mountains while i take photos and she's like sure just kind of goes along with it it's definitely i don't know there's some cool things in there like they end up in this weird remote town where like I guess there's witches kind of living there and the guy's taking photos, but he doesn't develop them yet. And they do this kind of cool thing where you see the photo he takes and there's like witches standing there that weren't there when he's taking the photo. And like, there's some creepy stuff in it. I, I don't feel like it fully sticks the landing, so to speak, but it was a, it was, it was fun enough of a watch. Um, the rest of the things I watched were just kind of, you know, watching some giallos with a lady. Watched the Red Queen kills seven times. Did that virtually. We were watching over Tubi, and Tubi commercial breaks are not all equal. Like she would get two commercials, and I would get five. Oh whoa! So we have things in sync, and then like the movie would start for her, and I'm still in a fucking like Folgers commercial, or some shit. So we didn't have to resync each time. Interesting. Yeah, like I mean, I thought it would just be the same. Like you know, we have three commercials each, but like. After the first one, she's like, yeah, I'm back in the movie. And I'm just like, I'm still in this fucking commercial. What's going on here? Yeah. But, you know, it's Red Queen's one of the best Giallo films ever made. So definitely check that out. Um, when I was in there in Maryland, I brought some Blu-rays with me. One of them was The Witch's Mountain, but also brought two all-time classics, A Lizard and Women's Skin and All the Colors Dark. And we watched those for movie nights and, yeah, had a good old time watching some crazy psychedelic nightmare-fueled Giallo films. Um, for listen, been kind of all over the place. Um, basically when I was on the plane, I was listening to a lot of Pusher T. Don't know why, I just was in the mood. Also listened to the new Hayden record, Are We Good? Which, yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good Canadian folk rock and sometimes kind of lo-fi-ish at times. Yeah, pretty good. Also listened to the JPEG Mafia, Danny Brown record, Scaring the Hose, which, goddamn, it is... If Godflesh made an industrial hip-hop record, it's just fucking ignorance. Okay. Like, I I wouldn't say, I mean, I hadn't really listened to JPEG Mafia and, like, the stuff. I've kind of been hit and miss with Danny Brown. Just, not that I think he's bad, but. He's crazy. Yeah, he's crazy. But, <laughs> but I, the, this. this I, lo- I, lo- I love his podcast. I, uh, but I, his music is sometimes a little too crazy for me. Well, this is pretty nutty. And like, I, you know, the term scaring the hose is like, don't put it, you know, music that's like not going to, you know. Vibe at the party or whatever. Vibe with the party or vibe with women. And apparently this record charted. So I guess it ain't scaring all the hoes. Yeah. Right. But, 
I, I'm assuming uh, some of the JPEG stuff kind of can have a, a, I don't know, a little darker, like more like industrial bend to it sometimes. Like he's kind of went that way. So I'm assuming maybe he had something to do with the beats. Well, I think he did all the beats. Okay. I think he did all the beats. I think but, he used But the, they both rap on it, I'm assuming. They both rap yeah. on it. And they're like distortion and all that. Because I know sometimes like Danny Brown's voice does not kind of grate some people. Mm-hmm. But put a little layer of distortion on it. Okay. Sounds good to me. Hell yeah. I mean, I mean, his voice doesn't bother me, but I've seen that complaint. But yeah. like, it just, I don't know. I just kind of appreciate that like people were like, f- I mean, just kind of fucking, I don't even say fucking around because I feel like that's disparaging, but just experimenting and just getting fucking crazy and weird and just like the way songs are constructed out of like just weird sample pieces and stuff is just like, I don't know. It's definitely, if you enjoy industrial, enjoy hip hop, Want to mix your chocolate with the peanut butter or peanut butter with the chocolate or however you go by that analogy? Check out Scaring Them Hoes or Scaring the Hoes, sorry. Also, listen to the new single by the band Iris called Blush. They're kind of a female fronted, I'd say, doom metal band kind of thing. Another banger song. Their last song, Ricochet, was really good. So, I think they have a new album or EP that's coming out on Dune Altar pretty soon. So, yeah. Looking forward to that. Also been listening to Puara, a collection of Italian horror sounds. I actually got this on vinyl, but I also added, you know, they had the iTunes version of it too, so I downloaded that and then listened to it. Lots of great cues from Italian soundtracks. A couple songs that seem to be reminiscent of other songs. There's definitely a song on there that is a kind of a ripoff of Escape from New York. Okay. There's definitely a song that's a bit of a ripoff of Inagata Vita. Like unapologetically, maybe a couple chords different, but ah, banger of a compilation. And the last thing I've been listening to, and it just actually came out, I guess last night today or whatever, is the new Rival Cults record, Indoctrination, which is also on Dune. Is it Alter? Dune Alter? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's on Dune Alter. And um, if you like your goth rock, your Fields of Nephilim, Sisters of Mercy, Christian Death kind of rocking end of the spectrum, definitely check it out. Scratch an itch that I didn't know I had, which was listen to some goth rock. Um, but yeah, that wraps up this episode of the Cinematic Void podcast. We got a busy May, got five shows of Lost Fields 3, one down at the um, Frida Cinema. Got some upcoming Cinematis movies at the end of June. Gonna be a busy next several months here in the Void. And yeah, we also got some more podcasts. We're working on our schedule so we can kind of get back on track. I feel like. Since that last Beyond Fest, we've just been fucking figuring out a schedule. <laughs> totally. But we're getting there. We're, you know, we're at least recording once a month, so it's a step in the right direction. It's not like that four-month hiatus we accidentally took, but getting back to it. But until next time, see you in the void. Peterson, I think that Johnson is making a little too much money. He wears all these very expensive suits, and I can't imagine how he's doing it. He's doing it at Greg's annual Red Tag Buy One, Get One Free Suit Sale, and you can too. Select one Red Tag suit from Greg's outstanding collection of designer double-breasted suits at regular prices, then select a second Red Tag suit absolutely free. You can be doing it now at Greg's annual Red Tag Buy One, Get One Free Suit Sale.